I am so thankful to God to be here today. And when I got the invitation and was told that I would be preaching to you all in this wonderful facility, it just made me smile. So thank you so much for your kind invitation and all the hospitality everyone has shown me in this, what for me has been almost a life-altering experience here at Baylor University. Uh, you heard, read, and you're hearing the scripture for today, and I just want to highlight two verses before we get into what the Lord would have for us. And that is Psalm 46 and verse 10. And the New King James reads, Be still and know that I am God. And Luke 10 and verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, on the front of your bulletin, you will see a familiar symbol. And I think even without the word pause on there, the pause button has become a universally recognizable icon uh, on all of our technological devices. We see this symbol on our phones, and we see it on our televisions, and our uh, DVD players, and tablets, and everywhere we go. And what it is, is with the press of this button, we now have the power to stop the action at any point, no matter what is going on in the movie or on the television. The pause button. And I've been noting of late how many pause buttons there are in the Holy Scriptures. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he will strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. In between all of the action sequences of the Bible and the battles and the, the wrestling with things seen and unseen, we are invited time and time again to put it on pause. And it's summed up in that beautiful Hebrew word that's sprinkled throughout the Psalms. Selah, pause and consider. Yet in our busy hustle and bustle lives, how often do we need to hear God call us to pause, to wait, to be still and know that I am God? I worry sometimes that even in our churches, we're so busy doing things for God that we can't hear him when he's telling us to wait and be still. Be still. Luke tells the familiar story of two sisters, Mary and Martha, with opposite reactions to a visit from Jesus. Martha got right to work and became cumbered about, I love that phrase in the King James, with much serving. That means she became entangled, or in the version we heard, she became distracted with much serving. Mary sat. What's wrong with this picture? In the context of the first century Middle Eastern culture, Martha was busy dutifully fulfilling the traditional role for women and seeing to all of the hospitality preparations that would have been expected in that culture. Mary sat. And Mary's sitting is a disruptive pause in this story in several ways. First of all, her sitting 
disrupts the usual expectations. In sitting at Jesus' feet, Mary is taking the position of a disciple of Jesus. She is in a waiting and listening posture. Let's not miss this. Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus in first century terms was a radical position to take. In my work on African-American women's spiritual autobiographies, I wrote about black women preachers who had to, in the 19th century, challenge some of the gender norms of their congregations. But as I remind my feminist colleagues, they were not doing this to divide the church or to challenge the authority of the church, but that the church would be made whole. Jarena Lee, in her uh, autobiography called The Life and Times of Jarena Lee, a colored lady, says, is he only half a savior? In other words, uh, we, in order for the church to be whole, then everyone who has heard the call of God, men and women alike, should be allowed to preach. So Mary was doing something radical for her time in taking the position of a disciple. Secondly, in sitting at Jesus' feet, Mary is making a claim about what is really important and eternally significant. We can be busy for Jesus and actually ignore his presence. We forget to lean in and to press in to hear what he has to say. Now, after that, Mary did what any of us would do. She got angry and jealous of Mary and prayed a manipulative prayer. Lord, tell her to help me. But Jesus did something, as he always does, completely unexpected. He rebuked Martha, and he affirmed Mary. Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things, but only one thing matters. Mary has chosen that good part, and it should not be taken away from her. In today's vernacular, he would say to Martha, 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 put it on pause. Lay it down, step away, and come and sit with me a while and hear what I have to say. Have you lately heard Jesus calling you to put it on pause, to come and sit at his feet and hear his word? Be still. Be still and know. VCU, uh, through the Grace E. Harris Leadership Institute, which is named after the, the highest-ranking African-American woman in the college's history. She was our provost for many years and even acting president. They have a program called Higher Ground, and it's a leadership program that accepts uh, women from academia, from universities, and also from faith-based leadership positions and also from nonprofit sectors. So it's an interesting mix of people. And I've had occasion to give workshops there on women's spirituality and transformational leadership. And it's a gift from God to speak to such a diverse audience. And I have actually used this story of Mary and Martha 
and I've had them break into groups and retell the story in contemporary terms. And I get very interesting responses. Sometimes they put them uh, in the boardroom or in the workplace venue or in a family setting, but very creative things. And at the end of the exercise, I show a slide that has these words. Quietness and stillness are the prerequisites for revelation. Quietness and stillness are the prerequisites for revelation. In order to be truly transformational as pastors and leaders, we must pause and receive God's revelation on a regular basis. As Christians in higher education, we're not simply interested in knowledge for knowledge's sake, but we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Our heart's desire is not simply to know facts and theories and theological systems, but to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. The scriptures say that Mary sat and heard his word, and it was interesting when I studied that. It doesn't say his words, plural, but his word, his logos. She heard the essence of who he was as the word made flesh who came to dwell among us. She wasn't just hearing what he said in a brief blow by blow, but she was hearing the very heart of God. Be still, be still, and know. Be still and know that I am God. You know, the Lord ministered this scripture to me a few weeks ago, and I heard it differently for the first time. I used to think it said, be still and know that I am God. As if what was at question or in doubt is God's identity. But lately I've been hearing it differently. What he's saying is, be still and know that I am God. What's at stake is not God's identity, but it's mine. When we run around and try to do everything ourselves and in our own strength, we are basically saying, God, I can handle this on my own. We are attempting to be God's little G over our own lives and our own circumstances and our own experience. But God is saying, I am God. And so be still and get to know me better. I'll give an example out of parenting. I have teenagers. I have a 14-year-old who's just started high school, and I have a 19-year-old who's a college sophomore. My 14-year-old son was getting ready for the first day of high school. Uh, he is at a specialty center and has to get up a full hour early to catch the bus on time. You can all imagine how difficult a job that might be. So, you know, I didn't want to cramp his style, but I got up early with him, uh, but the Lord gave me wisdom, and he said, just sit, just be there, just be a present. And I watched him. I told him, get your backpack packed the night before, right? Pack your lunch, but he did none of that, got up late, and I watched him rushing around, going back and forth, back and forth, up and down the stairs, in this room, in that room, rushing, you know, panting, out of breath. And the Lord said, don't help him, just sit there. Finally, in what was for him a flash of unusual brilliance, he turned to me and said, Mom, I can't find my keys. 
Can you help? And I instantly arose. And isn't that what God does with us? He watches us scurry around and rush to and fro, and we've lost this, and we don't know where this is. But what he's waiting for is for us to suddenly stop and realize we have a heavenly father who loves us and is concerned for us, and all we have to do is ask. He waits for us to wait for him, to realize that he's available to help, and we ask and we receive every time. In closing, I ran across something that really blessed me and that I hope will bless you. Henry Box Brown was a slave who was so desperate for freedom in the 1840s that with the help of a sympathizing uh, white man in his area, he had himself put into a crate and the crate nailed shut and addressed to a northern state and he was literally mailed from Richmond, Virginia to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, the white man who helped him, who was a Christian, was jailed for his efforts when it was found out. In 1851, Henry Box Brown wrote an autobiography called The Narrative of Henry Box Brown, and at the end, he includes an extemporized uh, version of Psalm 40. And as I read this, it just blessed me because what he's done is to, in a sense, verbally perform the psalm in a way that I've never heard it before. So I hope that you will be blessed by this. Psalm 40. I waited patiently, I waited patiently for the Lord, for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my calling. I waited patiently, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my calling. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even a thanksgiving, even a thanksgiving, even a thanksgiving unto our God. Blessed, 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 blessed is the man, blessed is the man, blessed is the man that has set his hope, his hope in the Lord. My God, great, 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 great are the wondrous works which thou hast done. Great are the wondrous works which thou hast done, which thou hast done. If I should declare them and speak of them, they would be more, more, more than I am able to express. I have not kept back thy loving kindness and truth from the great congregation. I have not kept back thy loving kindness and truth from the great congregation. Withdraw not thou thy mercy from me. Withdraw not thou thy mercy from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth always preserve me. Let all those that seek thee be joyful and glad. Let all those that seek thee be joyful and glad. Be joyful and glad. Be joyful and glad. Be joyful. Be joyful. Be joyful. Be joyful. Be joyful and glad. Be glad in thee. And let such as love thy salvation. And let such as love thy salvation say always, The Lord be praised. The Lord be praised. Let all those that seek thee be joyful and glad. And let such as love thy salvation say always, The Lord be praised. The Lord be praised. The Lord be praised. Amen.